Well, hello, friends. We are glad that you're hanging out with us today. Want to welcome you to our Wills Point campus and also want to say hello uh, to those of you that are hanging out with us online. I uh, do us a favor, uh, maybe share in the comment section where you're hanging out with us. Uh, we'd love to uh, pray for you, connect up with you online as well. Today, we are continuing our series called Remember. Uh, as we reflect over the last decade of ministry, and we also remind ourselves of the purposes of God's local church, uh, what the church is to be about, a people of God called out of darkness. We refer to ourselves uh, from the scripture as the ecclesia, the people of God uh, that formerly walked as aliens and strangers and orphans in the world. We are now children of God. And we're so thankful for that call in our lives. And we know that we are a priesthood of believers, as Peter tells us, uh, that we are uh, on mission and we are ambassadors for the cause of Christ. And we are ministers of reconciliation. The goal for us as a church is to reconcile people to God. And that's why we're here. And so in order for that to be accomplished, we have to remind ourselves continually that the church is God's idea. And that it's the people who are following him as our leader. But we also know, and Cody did a great job last week of walking us through what the church also orchestrates in and of itself through its leaders. And we know that good leadership is helpful for a church to move forward in solidarity, with great health, with great vigor, and also with a continual reminder of what God's people should accomplish. Ten years ago, we set out and uh, we we desired godly leadership. And by God's grace and by his kindness over the last decade, uh, we've continued uh, to have the same senior leadership that we had when we began. Uh, myself and Dick Patterson, which is our Edgewood campus pastor, uh, have been here from the very first days of Stone Point Church. But here's what we also know, is that when we began 10 years ago, that we always desired to have a plurality of leadership and a group of men that would help move us forward. And a handful of years ago, we actually took our staff through a book by Alexander Strzok called Biblical Eldership. Uh, we actually did this a little over four years ago, and uh, we encouraged them to begin praying and pondering on what it would look like for us to have godly leadership that helped not just have a, a lead pastor or one senior leader, uh, but to have a plurality of men as leaders in the local church. And so we began studying on that, praying about that. And then we decided that, hey, uh, leadership's a big deal. And, and the reason it's a big deal is because Cody reminded us last week of what leaders are to do. And that is that they are to lead people in godly character. And so we uh, just began praying and processing, hey, what do it look like if we had people that helped lead us with godly character? Um, and we knew that in order for that to happen, that God would have to raise up people that were here that were being faithful to serve God in lots of capacities, that they had availability to meet and minister to people's needs, and that they were approved workmen. And Cody did a great job last week of just talking about that leaders in the local church are people that are approved. Uh, they're not appointed uh, casually, but there is a process of approval that people would go through. And we even remind ourselves that uh, we don't just have an approval process for, for our leaders, but if we desire excellence in our leaders, we ought to desire that in and of ourselves as well. 
And Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 reminds us of that. It says this, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Uh, we say around here a lot uh, that uh, we, we love to see excellence in all things and all things to the glory of God. And one of the things we desire is excellence in our leaders. That doesn't necessarily mean that we always hit the mark. It certainly doesn't mean that we're perfect. But what it does mean is that we do desire to imitate Christ. And we desire that all the people that would call themselves fully devoted followers of Christ and members of the local expression of faith here at Stone Point will imitate their, their leaders and also imitate Christ. And friends, that's what we desire of everyone. Later on in that same chapter of Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 17, just encourages people who are a part of the family of God to follow their leaders, to submit to them, uh, because they're giving an account to God for your soul. And so when we think about leaders, we remind ourselves that there are people that labor among us for the cause of the gospel. And we've had that same leadership for the last decade, uh, but we desire even more. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 and 13, we're reminded uh, that leaders are important for this reason. We ask you, brothers, as Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord, because they admonish you. And they esteemed, uh, you should esteem their very high, them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. The reality is, is that the leaders of the local church are appointed by God. They are approved by uh, men and women in the body. And we are to follow them. And we are to care for them. And, and we are to pray for them and encourage them. But the question then becomes is, okay, who is our leader? Uh, and in this case, over the last decade, the leadership has been um, appointed staff, people who have led uh, our church. But what we realized a handful of years ago is that, that we really needed another layer of leadership. And over the, the last uh, handful of years, we began to ask our staff to point out faithful people who've been available and teachable um, and, and that would meet the qualifications of solid leadership in our body so that we could begin to think through what it looked like to add additional uh, pastoral roles here on our team. And what's interesting is, is we've been looking at biblical elders. Um, the question then becomes is, well, what in the world is an elder? Uh, what is a leader? Uh, Cody referenced last week and even used the word overseer. And the question is, is are those different, you know, different roles? Are those different people? Is, is that all one role? And today, I want to answer just a handful of questions. One, I want to answer the question of what is a leader? And in reference to biblical elders or overseers or uh, whatever term you might refer to it as, what, what is it? Um, what is it not? Uh, and then what's their role anyway? Uh, and why do we need them? And uh, if we're going to move forward in this direction, uh, what's that process even look like? And so we want to answer a handful of those questions today. And so let's do so by studying a parallel text than what we addressed last week uh, in 1 Timothy 3. Today we're going to address Titus chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. Uh, if not, we're going to put it for you up on the screen where you can see it. But in Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, Paul writes to Titus, and he tells him why he left him in Crete. So he says, I left you in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint 
elders. He goes on to say the latter part of that verse that I want you to appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Uh, that word uh, elders there is the word uh, presbyteros, which means, um, could mean several things. So if you're talking in terms of a group of older men, you might call them elder. That word would refer to their age. If you were talking about the Jewish community, you might come to a group of men or people that were uh, high up in their civilization or had rank. You might refer them to elders. But when you see it in the context of the New Testament church, this idea of eldership always refers to leaders that are overseeing the Christian church. Now that word in the Greek, uh, presbyteros, could refer to a bishop. Uh, it could refer to a presbyter or overseer. They seem to be uh, terms that are synonymous and that they could be in some ways interchanged. But the reality is, as Paul says to Titus, hey, I encourage you to appoint elders in every town as you see fit. The reality is, is the local church needs godly leaders. And in this particular case, the reference to that would be elders. He goes on and he lists some of the qualifications of what elders are um, in this, this passage that would, in a sense, just be a supplement to what we see Paul write to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3. In verse 6, he says, if anyone, meaning uh, an elder, is above reproach, if he's the husband of one wife, if his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, then they seem to be eligible. We talked about those qualifications last week. And he goes on, though, in verse 7, he says, For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. And so you see these different characteristics. But what's also interesting in verse 7, it says overseer. So in verse 5, it said elder. In verse 7, it says overseer. Two different words, but it seems to be referring to the same uh, place of leadership. The word overseer is the word in the Greek which we would get the word episkopos from. Uh, that's where you would get episcopalian. The reality of that word means that there would be one who oversees or that is an elder of the Christian church. Now, real quickly, just to give some clarity, as we look at uh, the, re uh, the reality of these men and their life and their faithfulness to the Lord, we have to answer a question. What is an elder? And is that simply uh, someone who oversees the church while an overseer is above him? And what you see oftentimes in Christian circles is that you have a hierarchy of clergy. And that hierarchy could have local pastors, and then it could have bishops, and it could work its way up and, and have an order or a rank or a file. And, and I don't think, and we would say here at Stone Point, that, that these are not different places of service. This isn't different people. As we read this text, we think clearly in verse 5, elders are to be exchanged synonymously with overseers in verse 7. And so we think it's talking about the same person or people that would establish themselves as leaders in the local church, and they have godly character. The type of godly character that means that they have been faithfully been married to a woman uh, for many years. They have exemplified faithfulness. Uh, as Timothy said, they're, they're not drunkards. They're not given over to um, much wine. We know that they're above reproach. Uh, they are um, managing their household well. Titus would go on to say, um, 
not only in verse 7 that they're, you know, that they're gentle and they're not greedy, but he would go on to say that they're also hospitable, that they are men that are lovers of good. They're self-controlled. They're upright. They're holy, and they're disciplined. He, um, which is interesting, it doesn't say um, they, it, he, meaning an overseer, uh, the the elder, one of them, must hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine also to rebuke those who contradict it. This man has to be, um, whoever that would be, has to be a man of great character. I don't think that this man means that there's only one of them because I think you'll see time and time again that there's a plurality. Verse 5 said, um, elders. Um, verse 7 says over, overseer, but I think it's reference to multiple. Matter of fact, look at Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Luke uh, records an account of Paul speaking uh, to the Ephesian church. And in verse 28, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That same idea there of episkopos, uh, a plurality of leaders to care for the, the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. It's very clear that these elders or these leaders in the local church um, seem to have a plurality of leadership. It also means that they are appointed in every church, in every town that Paul encouraged these men to go or that Paul went himself. It seemed that he was establishing a leadership structure in the local church that would be led by a plurality of godly men with great character that had a love for God's people, for the flock, uh, to care for, to contribute, um, to not lord their authority over them, but to help establish healthy, godly churches. That's what I think we see in Scripture. In Acts chapter 14, uh, Paul is going to be stoned in Lystra, and uh, as as he is stoned and, and going to be run out of town, the, the apostles come alongside of him and they go and they begin to establish uh, additional churches. And, and look what happens in verse 23. It says, And when they had appointed elders in, for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So Paul is attacked by a group of Jews. Uh, he survives the attack, though they thought he was dead. And what they do is they go and they plant additional churches. And as they go to town to town, region to region, city to city, church to church, they are appointing these type of leaders. And so it's really important to ask yourself, well, what is an elder? Well, I think that an elder is an overseer of the local church, um, I think it's a man who um, is a presbyter or in some ways holds the, the idea of a shepherd of the local church. It's someone who is accountable to God for the flock. So I would consider myself in that way to be a man that really in, a, in many ways fits the description of this. And so I think what we all need to realize is that overseers, presbyters, um, shepherds all seem to be interchangeable. They seem to be the same context of people. A plurality of men who love the Lord and serve the local church. Even consider this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 11 through 14. 
And it says, and he, meaning God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to the local church um, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain uh, to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. What you see is, is that God gives the local church a group of people um, that help teach them, shepherd them, care for them. That word shepherd uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 is the word poimain, which literally means to pastor or to shepherd. And so what I think we're... Uh, wanting to convey to you is this, is that the local church is not just derived of a single man that leads the body and you say, well, he's the lead or the senior pastor and he does everything on his own. I don't think that's how the church works. I don't think that's how we've been structured over the last decade. Uh, what we have been is a plurality of people leading, but what we do desire to, to do in the uh, the future, and as we move forward, is we want to make that more clear. We want uh, to make sure that we recognize there are a handful of men who are accountable to God for the souls of the members at Stone Point Church. And we think that biblical eldership is not only the biblical expression and the way to accomplish that, but we see that uh, they are pastors, they are shepherds, and they care for the local flock. So in essence, what I hope that you get and understand, if I could just kind of beat the, this point home, is that pastors, overseers, elders, or whatever it is that you want to call, these type of men are leaders in the local church, accountable to God for the flock. And they are a plurality of men who love the Lord and lead sheep. So when you think about sheep, what you need to realize is that sheep always need a good shepherd. It doesn't matter where a sheep actually resides. Um, they could eat everything there is. They could bring the ground to literal stubble. And just a mile or two away, they could have green pasture and they could have still water. But if they don't have a shepherd to lead them there, they will die of starvation because they will not go there on their own. And we see in the context of the local church, God gives qualified men the ability to lead the flock to green pasture and still waters. And we believe wholeheartedly that the flock of God, the church, the bride of Christ, needs to be led by faithful men who are willing to give their lives in humility, compassion, love, grace, godliness, and gentleness so that the local church is equipped, that they're built up, sent out for the expression of God through his word. And friends, that is what we think great leadership looks like. Approved men with godly character who were willing to lay their lives down for the sheep and for the flock. Which then brings up the question, if we know that these men have great character and we know that they are not in it for themselves, the question you must ask yourself is, okay, what, 
what is their goal? What is their motivation? Because what we would see in Scripture is not uh, all of these overseers or pastors uh, are, are paid. And even as we think about biblical eldership and adding a couple of pastors to our team, we're not looking to pay them any resources. What we tell them is, hey, your treasure is in heaven. Uh, and that's what we are encouraging them to remind themselves of. But what we do want you to realize is that they're not in it for greed or for their own egotistical titles. Um, matter of fact, 1 Peter 5 gives us warning about what shepherds, elders are to do and be about. Peter says it this way, so I exhort the elders. I'll look at it there again. It's plural there. I exhort the elders among you as fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God. That's what these, these men are to do. Elders, great leaders in the flock are to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And then it says this, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but by being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Men who are approved by God and meet the qualifications that we find in scriptures, uh, in the scriptures are to be gentle and compassionate and caring. Uh, they are not to be domineering. They are not to lord authority over any, anyone or anything because even though we shepherd the flock of God, we are still a part of the flock of God which is one of the reasons that we should consider uh, such uh, an example. Uh, we are to also um, love people while we wait on the appearing of our Savior, which then begs the question, okay, if elders or overseers or pastors, if they're all kind of the same role, um, what, what's their responsibility and you might even ask the question, hey, Brandon, why do we need any more? Uh, isn't everything kind of working great the way it is? I mean, isn't, isn't, isn't what we got going, isn't it kind of working? And I would say this, no, it's not. And here's why. It's because as much as our church needs additional men to help share the responsibility and the load of our ministry, guys, if I'm honest, I need shepherds. I need men who I will serve my family and who will love me well and who will help point me on a straight path and who will help hold me accountable. And friends, I need that as much as anyone in this church needs it. And what I would encourage you to realize is that biblical eldership or additional pastors to help oversee and lead the church of Stone Point is a really good thing. And here's why, because they actually have lots of things that they can pay attention to and that they can help shepherd our church through. Matter of fact, this is why we need biblical eldership. Hebrews uh, chapter 13, and we're going to read in a second, is going to show us that they keep watch over the souls. That means that um, every pastor, shepherd, elder that oversees the entire local body and expression of faith here at Stone Point is going to stand in front of God and be accountable to those who are members of the local body. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, that's why you should obey your leaders and submit to them. The writer of Hebrews goes on and says, for they are keeping watch over your souls 
as those who will have to give an account. So let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. The reality is, is there are men who um, have, have in many ways been approached about helping lead uh, the body of Christ here at Stone Point. And the reason that we need help is because our flock is too large for it to be on one or two men. It, it needs to be a plurality of men who share leadership and who can stand on account of this local uh, flock and the body of Christ here at Stone Point on two different campuses and give an account to God for every member of our flock. Friends, that is the a joy, but it is also an incredible burden. It is one that should not be taken lightly because it is something that could be exhausting at times. It can be emotionally taxing. It can be uh, stressful, uh, but it is also a great, great, great joy, especially when those that you are shepherding and pastoring are a joy to you. And one of the chief joys of my entire life has been able to shepherd people here over the last decade. And friends, there are many of you that have been a complete joy to shepherd. I'm not going to say anything negative about some of you, okay? Um, the reality is, is that we counted a joy and a privilege to shepherd here. But I do believe that we, we could use help. And we could use help from faithful men who will be willing to give an account to God for the souls of men and women and children here. Why? Because elders are to lead the flock and to care for the local church. You see that in multiple passages uh, like 1 Timothy 5, Titus chapter 1, James chapter 5, Acts chapter 6. But one of the great ways you see it is even in Acts chapter 20 as Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus. And he just says um, to, to them, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. That's why. Because Jesus obtained it with his own blood. Friends, Christ died for the local church. He gave us clarity in his word as to what the local church needs. A plurality of men who give an account to him for the flock and who will care for the souls of men and care for families. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually. Lord, uh, the, the Lord has placed people in that position for a reason. And it is to care for the church of God. And you might ask yourself, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that you do hospital visits? And I would say, yeah, sometimes. But I think it's far more than just hospital visits or caring for the sick, although that's an important part of an overseer or an elder's job. But really what I would say is it goes far more than that. For instance, it's feeding the flock through teaching and the preaching of God's Word. All, all sheep need to eat. And I would say that that's true for all. All of us. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. One of the things that Paul did write to Timothy is he was talking about elders. He says, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. We talked about that. The husband of one wife. Sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. But then look what it says. Able to teach. That means that elders ought to be sound in doctrine. They ought to know God's word, and they ought to be able to teach God's word. Uh, Timothy would also say um, that uh, people ought to be ready, in season and out of season, ready to preach God's word. Uh, Peter says that we ought to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope of Christ. That is not just true of biblical uh, leaders and, and overseers in the flock, shepherds that care for you, but that's true of all the members of the body of Christ. You ought to be fed well, cared for well, and you ought to be able to teach God's word well as well. 
elders do another thing. They exhort and admonish the saints in sound doctrine. Titus uh, chapter 1, verse 9, which we just read a few moments ago, uh, where Paul just encourages Titus to, to instruct these men to hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine, also rebuke those who contradict it. Friends, one of the reasons we need qualified men to serve as, as additional pastors and leaders in our church is to refute some of the false doctrines that we're seeing in our day and age. And friends, it's everywhere. Uh, we have to refute poor theology all the time. And quite frankly, because of the, the responsibilities I already have, there are so many things that probably I could speak into more and just don't have the time and the margin and the ability. And so shared leadership would allow us to uh, be more doctrinally sound, to speak into uh, issues within the global church, uh, to talk about things that we see as um, unsound and things that could potentially lead members and, and people that we love astray. We live in a culture right now where uh, there is a thing called relativism, which means you get to decide what's right and wrong. And, and friends, we don't get to decide that because God's word is truth. And because he is true and all-knowing, we have to preach God's truth. And we have to help equip people to know what his truth is, which means we don't get to make up truth. We don't get to decide truth for ourselves. And friends, we can do a much better job here in admonishing and training up the saints of God here towards sound doctrine. Which when you think about sound doctrine, you also have to think about false teachers. And that's one of the roles of an elder. They protect the flock of God against false teachers. People who desire to lead others astray uh, by useless genealogies, as Paul would say to Timothy, uh, by controversies and quarrels and other factions. Um, it's something that you see a lot in the scripture. Uh, Paul wrote to the Galatians, and he was uh, encouraging them to not get caught up into legalism and asceticism and so many other things that were happening in the New Testament church. In Acts chapter 20, verses 28 and 31, you see uh, Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, which we've already read about a couple, we've already read this verse a couple of times, but I want you to see how it continues on. He says, pay careful attention, which means be alert. Be a watchman on your post to your, yourselves and also to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. But look what he says after that. He goes, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So what Paul says, he goes, listen, the reason I keep encouraging you to implement men who will lead the flock and care for the flock and the reason you need a plurality of them is because there are going to be people who come in to try to ravage the church. They have false motives. He uh, attributes to that of being people like wolves. So he goes, you need courageous leaders who are willing to stand on the truth of God's word and protect people from false doctrine and false teachers. Verse 30 goes on and says, And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, be of sober mind, be aware, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night to admonish everyone with tears. Biblical elders will have many sleepless nights. They will cry tears over the flock, and they will do everything they can to put their life on the line so that the body of Christ flourishes survives, grows, and is strengthened. Friends, 
Biblical eldership is a plurality of godly men who say, I want to die in order that the church may live. Let me say that one more time. Biblical elders are a group of men who love the Lord and they are willing to die so that the church might live victoriously and grow in Christ towards maturity. That's what this is. They provide biblical counsel. They help resolve conflict. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes to the church of Corinth and he says this, beginning in verse 14, going all the way through verse 21. He goes, I don't write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. He is dealing with some conflict in the church. Verse 15 says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them in, uh, everywhere in every church. And then he addresses them individually. He goes, some of you are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Paul is writing to a troubled church. And he goes, listen, I long to see you. But that's why I have appointed leaders there. That's why I sent Timothy there, is so that you would grow up in maturity. And then he addresses them. He goes, listen, I get it. You have a lot of people who are telling you how to live in the faith. And friends, I would tell you this. We live in a day and age called the internet in which we can grab any article we want by any pastor we want, whether we know them to be of true and sound doctrine or not. We can listen to sermons. We can be encouraged. In some ways, as Paul writes to Timothy, we can have our ears tickled. But the challenge is, is do we know that it's doctrinally sound? Do we know that it's going to help us grow up in maturity? Is it solid biblical counsel? And friends, that's what Paul says. You don't have many fathers in the faith. And elders, overseers, shepherds, pastors in the flock of God equip people for every good work. They equip people to grow up in maturity so that they're no longer tossed to and fro. And friends, there are so many people in the local church, not just ours, but across our nation, that are being tossed to and fro every single day. And leaders in the local church who are of godly character are here to remind them what sound doctrine looks like and to admonish them to not live by merely words, but to live in the Holy Spirit by power through obedience in God's word. They are to instruct people to keep short accounts, to live in unity, Ephesians chapter 4. They are to remind one another that the flock of God ought to forgive one another as Christ Jesus has forgiven us, Ephesians 4.32. Friends, that's why we need a plurality of godly leaders. It goes beyond that, though. Uh, they also help judge doctrinal issues, matters of the faith. One of the interesting things that you would see in Acts chapter 15 is Paul and Barnabas and, and the apostles are gathered uh, with the church in Jerusalem. Uh, there is a dispute about uh, what you need to do in order to be saved. 
And um, in Acts chapter 15, verse 6, it says, The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And what they did is they sat in Jerusalem and they heard the accounts of how you could be saved. And uh, it was a great debate. And as they listened and they talked, eventually they settled the matter. And look what Peter does in verse 7. Um, I'm not going to put it for you up on the screen, but Peter stood up and he goes, hey, guys, you need to understand what God has done. You need to understand what he's, he's called people to. You need to realize that what he called the Gentiles to is also to freedom. And then he gets to Acts chapter 15, verse 11, and then this is what he says. And though it's not on the screen, I want you to hear it. He says, we believe that people will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ just as they will. He goes, listen, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And he settles a dispute that was going on in the Jewish church uh, and in the, the early church in Jerusalem. And so he goes, listen, you and I need to have this, metal, uh, this matter settled. And that's what these men do. Depending on what you think about the term elder could be your perception. And friends, here's what I would tell you. Um, as I think about myself, um, I don't deserve or nor do I desire for you to call me an elder. I do not think that as you read the New Testament that an elder is referencing age. Although I love men of faith that have walked with Jesus a long time and I desire to know and gain their wisdom especially when you've seen it lived out in faithfulness. And so uh, age does not deter somebody from uh, being an overseer or a shepherd or a pastor, but it's not the determining factor. What is the determining factor? Faithfulness to God and his word, godly character, availability, and a faithful commitment over a long stretch of time. And those people, when they have a desire to lead God's church, should be what I would call elders or overseers, regardless of what you give them as a title. That does not matter. So I don't care if you want to use the word elder, if you want to use the word pastor, overseer, or quite frankly, if you want to say, hey, dude, but you would say, hey, I recognize these guys as leaders of the local church, and I would call them our pastors. They would be our elders, or overseers. They are the ones giving an account to God. That is what elders are. We've had them, but we desire to officially make that something that is noted here so that when you know who it is that gives an account to God, it's very clear. But in order for you to understand what elders are, which we've just described, also you need to know, in case you're struggling with it, what elders are not. And so real quick, I just want to address a couple of things. When I talk about biblical eldership, when I think about pastors, when I think about overseers, when I think about all the examples that we see in the, old, uh, in the New Testament, uh, in which I have not given you an exhaustive list, as we see all of that, what I want you to realize, I am not talking about a group of businessmen. I am not talking about a board of people that the pastor reports to, and I'm not talking about a board of men that report to the pastor. What I'm talking about is a plurality of men who have faithfully been serving here already, shepherding in meaningful ways that would come alongside of me and our staff and help us continue to move our church forward in a way that would please God. 
So that means that these men desire to be pastors. When you think about them, you should see pastor-like qualities. You should say, wow, these are guys that, that have been faithful here, who are generous in all ways. They serve in our body. They care for people well. They love the church. These men are not bishops. They're not figureheads. They're not pawns. They're not clergymen. They're not laymen. They're not reverends. They're not priests. They're not ministerially ordained or appointed in that sense. They are not a board of directors. They are not religious elite. They are not above anyone in the body, and that all is including me. Matter of fact, it drives me crazy if you were to call me anything other than just my name. Why? Because these men that we see in the New Testament are not to be elevated as clergy. Matter of fact, I would personally never attend or be a member of a church where there was an elevation of clergy. The reason why is because I too am a member of the flock, but yet God has in this season for this time in my life appointed me to be a watchman on the post for this body of believers here at Stone Point. And so I am here faithfully, daily serving the bride of Christ at Stone Point, being accountable to God. And friends, I'm just admitting to you that I need help. And that over the last couple of years, I have sought out a multitude of men that would consider and pray and think and ponder and train themselves to be ministers of reconciliation alongside of me. And so what I desire to do next week is to tell you about the process of which we have gone through to help find men who would be qualified examples to serve in ministry alongside of me so that I don't burn out, that I don't grow weary of doing good, and that I can continue to serve in humility with faithfulness this church for many years to come. I believe that happens best with a plurality of men who will grab a rope and, dr and drag alongside of me whatever it is that the Lord encourages us to tow. Whatever weight, whatever responsibility that is, I, I desire to present to you very quickly and very soon a group of men who would bless our body. That if, if I were to use biblical terminology, they would be shepherd elders to oversee, to lead, to care, to feed, to protect, to nurture our church. Friends, I think our best days are ahead. And I want you to realize that I do believe that God has been raising up other men to faithfully serve alongside of me and our staff so that the body of Christ here is thoroughly built up and ready for every good work. Friends, if you have questions about what I've shared, if you uh, need more contacts, hey, feel free to grab one of our staff uh, members and, and ask them questions. Feel free um, to ask me questions when you see me. Um, what I want you to understand is the New Testament context and why it is that I believe our church needs this type of leadership. We haven't had all of this set up over the last decade the way we'd like, but I believe that as we move into the next decade, this is God's plan for our church. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time together. I thank you, Lord, for your text. I thank you, Lord, for the chance to give an exposition of it. Lord, I pray that you would use these words today to remind us of your plan for the local church. 
For those of us that um, don't quite understand what this means, uh, for those of us who have questions or are a little bit unsettled, I pray that our goal would not be to seek out men or even the approval of men, but I pray our goal, our chief joy would be to jump into your word and to contemplate what this message really means. If biblical eldership and pastors that oversee and guide the local church is a biblical expression, then I pray that you would lead us to be obedient to that. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to do so with unity and with love and graciousness and sincerity. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to all believe the best about uh, this process and one another and that we would seek to be obedient to you in all things and in all ways. I thank you for my friends. And I thank you, Lord, for the ways that you desire to use them here. And I pray, God, that you would send us out so that we are the hands and feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.